You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. Dismantling the leftist propaganda machine, it's Owen Schroyer. Harrison Smith sitting in for Owen Schroyer today. Welcome to the War Room, InfoWars.com, Band.video. We have a lot to discuss today, of course. Most of all, we will be talking about the continuing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Frankly... Surprised it's gone on this long. I'm surprised there hasn't been any other major changes. It's just been relentless bombings for the last several days. We got all sorts of videos we could show you. We got all sorts of videos we're not going to show you. I can't tell you the number of maimed and, and, and murdered children I've seen on my Twitter feed the last few days. It's all horrific and psychologically damaging. So we're not going to show you any of that insanity, but we will talk about some of the effect that it's having. Although we spent the last couple days, especially yesterday on American Journal, talking about the information war that is surrounding this conflict. We're going to talk a little bit today about some other aspects, some very pertinent aspects, the use and failure in many cases of artificial intelligence in the lead up to the attack by Hamas. We're also going to talk about uh, the fact that uh, Anthony Blinken is over there in Israel right now. We'll give you the updates as to the number of dead that uh, we have so far. You know, we've in case, uh, in case you haven't been paying attention, in case you're just now tuning in to what's going on in uh, Israel and, and Palestine, the dominoes are all set up for total world, world war. That's not an overstatement. It's not fear-mongering. It's just a process that will start rolling out if certain steps are taken by one side or the other. So far, those steps have not been taken. The red line was that Hezbollah, the militia group from Lebanon, said that if Israel enters Gaza with ground troops, as they said they were going to do as soon as the attack happened— then Hezbollah would get involved. Now, Gaza, and we'll get, we'll get into whether or not, you know, how much Israel knew about what was going to happen, whether they allowed this to happen totally, whether they were caught off guard. But I think one thing that is certain is that they severely underestimated the capabilities of the people in Gaza, and that's probably making them rethink their whole calculus when it comes to places like Hezbollah, which is significant, or you know, uh, organizations like Hezbollah, which is significantly better armed, significantly more capable than anyone in Palestine, let alone anybody in Gaza. So they're probably extreme. I mean, I know they're extremely worried about Hezbollah opening up that second front to the north. They haven't done that yet because Israel hasn't entered Gaza yet. And guys, I don't have a clock here. If I could uh, get one, I don't want to go into the commercial break by accident. Now, this is interesting because Israel's really in a lose-lose situation here. If they don't enter Gaza like they've said that they're going to, like they have time and time again promised that they're going to do, if they don't do that, it, in a way, is admitting that they're not the top dogs in the arena anymore, that their actions in their own country is being limited by an outside force. And that's a game changer. That's a paradigm shift. And so what's happening right now is not so much 
the fallout from what happened on Saturday, that is a culmination of what has been going on for the last several years. And a very large part of it is on the shoulders of Biden and his administration who have allowed this kind of atmosphere to build. The failure to maintain relations with Middle Eastern countries that we now want something from but have no leverage over. The failure of America to maintain its military readiness to be able to provide some sort of uh, diminishing effect on all of this. I'm not saying that uh, World War III, like, it's not happening. It's all the dominoes are still standing there. They're all still lined up. From Hezbollah to America to Iran to Syria to Russia to Turkey, it's all there. It hasn't been flicked yet. I'm wondering how long it will maintain like this. I want him found. Not tomorrow, not after breakfast, now. Yes, sir. Well, well, what? Man up and vanish like a fart in the wind. Nothing left but damn rocks on the windowsill. And that cupcake on the wall. What say there, fussy britches? This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy. And everyone's in on it. Unveiling the truth behind the globalist curtain. Welcome to the War Room. Welcome back, folks. This is the War Room, Infowars.com, band.video. We will be opening up the lines for your calls today. We'll be taking them. Got a lot of very interesting calls yesterday. From both sides of this argument, and I got to admit, part of me is already kind of sick of talking about this. Kind of already sick of this whole thing. It hit me last night, about 10 o'clock, laying in bed, scrolling through Twitter. It's just there's one post too many. Just saw and just went, oh, God, more Israel, Palestine stuff. Because this is really sort of cons- – <laughs> this has consumed my consciousness since it broke out uh, on Saturday to the extent that it pushed everything else out. Literally two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, I made a skit with Klaus Schwab Jr. I was editing it all last week. And then yesterday, I'm hanging out, looking at, you know, gathering news and stuff. Chase is walking by. And he's like, hey, when's that skit coming out? And I was like, oh, right, the skit. I forgot, I forgot I'd filmed a skit. I'm supposed to put that out. I'm supposed to finishing edit. I'm supposed to finish editing that. I'd totally forgotten I'd even filmed it. I'd totally forgotten to, to put it out. I mean, literally... Nothing else has has occupied my thoughts since all this broke out because this is a paradigm shift. This is an inflection point. And we said it from the you know the first broadcast after the uh, attack against Israel. Like this will what happens in the next few days will one way or another decide the future of the world really. And I am I am surprised that it hasn't expanded more. And I would be very, very shocked if this is just another situation where Israel bombs Gaza for a few days and then it just goes back to the the tit for tat. I mean, it, it really, it's really not possible 
at this point. After all, Gaza and, and Hamas has hostages right now. There is some minor talk about a ceasefire for you know to, to regain the hostages. But it seems like we still, just for the last couple days, those of us paying attention, we're just like waiting with bated breath. It's like where this where this goes. Where where the next shoe to drop is gonna land. And we'll talk about how we got to this situation and point to some of the overall intelligence failures from Israel and whether they were even failures or not, but what it can tell us about the future of war and combat, government operations the world over for the future. I said yesterday on my show, I think what we're seeing here is very much a preview of just how conflicts will go under the New World Order system. After all, globalism is obviously the central goal for the rulers of the world that have been pushing us towards it for the last several decades. And their argument for this is that without nation states, you don't have war. And we've always pointed out that you're not going to have an absence of war. You're going to have continuous war. Instead of nation states going to war with each other, it will be the system at war with anybody outside of the system. And in a way, it seems like what's happening in Gaza right now and in Israel right now is a signal that the way that they want it to go is infeasible. It doesn't actually work this way. You can't actually subjugate people that refuse to be subjugated. You can't actually contain humanity if they don't want to be contained. So the whole New World Order system is sort of predicated on this idea that if you abuse humanity enough, it submits. And if you psychologically terrorize humanity enough, then you can keep them in an open-air concentration camp. You can deny them all the rights and yet, you know, continue to operate as if everything's normal. It's kind of disproven with Gaza, and it may be that there's something particular particular about Palestinian people that makes them the exact wrong population to try to carry this out. After all, I can't imagine America maintaining a 75-year resistance, 75-year military rebellion against a significantly larger force. But with Palestine, it's like what they're doing now is not going to end the threat. If anything, it's only going to make it worse. And a lot of this goes down to the fact that Israel started just about two years ago to massively rely on AI. And artificial intelligence is playing an outsized role in this conflict and played an outside role in what allowed this initial attack to be carried out. We're also going to talk about the Samson option, which is a... (laughs) How do you even describe this? So there's, a, there's a book called The Samson Option, Israel's Nuclear Arsenal and American Foreign Policy. And I believe it was uh, – who was it written by? Well, it's, it, 
<laughs> well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. If you already know what it is, then you know why I'm like, yeah, I'll see more Hirsch. That's right. It's essentially a doomsday device. It's like straight up Dr. Strange Love level nuclear obliteration of all the world's capitals as a last ditch effort to prevent the destruction of Israel. And it may be the time to uh, start looking at this because Israel, as I said before, is in a very, very, very tough spot. Essentially, we are in many ways being confronted with two options to let Israel be destroyed by its neighbors because one of the aspects of the last several years and the failure of the Biden administration to actually maintain American superiority in the military realm has been that the enemies of Israel have gotten significantly stronger Iran as well and you know part of this is because of the actions of America and Israel you know when we try to overthrow Bashir al-Assad when we launch moderate rebel groups aka ISIS across the whole region what we did in effect was to draw all of those people significantly closer together. I mean, Russia wouldn't be militarily entangled with Syria if it weren't for the Syrian rebellion that we helped to kick off. But now they are. Same with Iran, same with Hezbollah. And in fact, one of the strange occurrences with the Syrian civil war was that Russia had weapons stockpiles that they were sending to Syria, but they didn't want Syria in charge of it, so they had Hezbollah guard it. And the agreement was that Hezbollah could sort of help themselves to some of the more advanced weaponry. So we're dealing with non-state actors with super advanced weaponry. We're dealing with Iran and Syria and Palestine. And if they attack Israel, Israel would be... I mean, they can't stand up against it. They are outnumbered, they're outgunned on every side, which would mean that if we don't want them to be destroyed, then America has to get involved, which means it's World War III. Again, a very tough spot, very tricky situation we're in here. And we are still just sort of balancing on the knife's edge of World War III. And of course, the American politicians salivating over this. We'll go to some clips of that on the other side. Yes, folks, you know a war's coming because there's unity in Washington, D.C. We have not had this many of our best-selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or four thousand bottles of each one of these i think we've got four thousand bottles of the hgh max boost that people love so much we've got about four thousand bottles of 1776 testosterone boost that just came in and we've got about three thousand bottles of pain md incredible natural pain reliever situation all three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfoWarsStore.com.
Have you tried taking the real red pill? A one-of-a-kind heart and brain formula designed exclusively for InfoWarsStore.com. One of the most powerful ingredients in Real Red Pill Plus is pregnanolone. Pregnanolone levels decrease with age, and low levels are associated with fatigue, low brain function, and unhealthy aging. The Real Red Pill Plus also provides essential trace minerals, such as vitamin B12, calcium, copper, and zinc. Featuring naturally occurring L-theanine, caffeine, and theobromine, the energy blend inside the Real Red Pill Plus provides an extra pick-me-up for your day that goes beyond the second cup of coffee. So visit Visit InfoWarsStore.com, go down the rabbit hole, and try taking the real red pill. Now 25% off for a limited time at InfoWarsStore.com. The War Room. InfoWars.com forward slash show. Welcome back, folks. This is The War Room, InfoWars.com. InfoWarsStore.com is where you go to support us. Of course, we make it extremely easy for you to support us. Right now, there's a flash sale on. You're getting 60% off Brain Force Plus. Get 60% off this powerful nootropic right now at InfoWarsStore.com. It is a flash sale, only 24 hours, so do not waste any time. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com, get some Brain Force Plus, and support this singular outlet in this age of misinformation that is desperately trying to bring you reality and fight through the fog of war and the fog of misinformation, disinformation, blatant deception to try to get a grip on not only what's going on, what has happened, but what is going to happen. We do have some political news to talk about. We can get into some stuff beyond the Israel-Palestine conflict, but that's going to be the main discussion here today. And, of course, we'll be taking your calls on this a little bit later. We can go to some videos here that are just mind-boggling. In fact, I just put one in the uh, show folder, guys, another one of uh, <laughs> old Lindsey Graham, Holden Bloodfeast, if y'all, if y'all know that meme. <laughs> it's crazy. It's completely insane, these people, and they're just They're starving for war. Their thirst for war can never be quenched. Now, right now, Blinken is in Israel. Story from CNN. Blinken pledges U.S. will never falter from supporting Israel as he likens Hamas's crimes to ISIS. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken visited Israel Thursday to pledge the United States will never falter from its support for Israel as he condemned Hamas's litany of brutality and inhumanity as evoking the worst of ISIS. There's a problem. We got a problem here. And what's happening right now may be an instance where it can lead to a wider conversation about the role of Israel in the American government. It's something that, you know, anybody who pays attention to American politics knows that there is this partnership with Israel – that leads politicians to say a lot of bizarre things. Being American, Nancy Pelosi, right, has gone on 
interviews and said, you know, if even if the Capitol burns to the ground, even if there's no America standing, the last thing to fall will be our commitment to Israel. It's like, okay, that's a foreign country. What are you talking about? Right? Chuck Schumer giving speeches where he's saying, you know, God put me on earth to protect Israel. You're a United States senator. This is weird. This is bizarre. And of course, when Anthony Blinken goes to Israel, he essentially says, yes, I'm here as an American Secretary of State, but I'm also here as a Jew. I'm also here essentially as an Israeli. And I just, I wonder, you know, how, how long this can go on. How useful this is for America to be so inextricably tied to a foreign country that seems to constantly be getting us in trouble. What is the benefit here? What is the America first argument to be made for this, according to Blinken, you know, never faltering support for Israel? Maybe our support should falter a little bit. Maybe now is the time that our support can be useful, maybe. Maybe now would be the time with our inextricable partnership to Israel that we could step in and maybe try to pump the brakes on what's going on. As we've, as we've said a million times, just because you've been the victim of a horrific terrorist attack does not give you a blank check to massacre millions of people. Right now, the latest from Mideast Eye says Israel-Palestine war live. Half of the Palestinians killed have been women and children. These reports are dropping uh, white phosphorus on the area. And, you know, if you want, we can show video after video. Dead babies, dead children. I mean, it's horrific what's happening. It was horrific what happened on Saturday. But the horror continues day after day with these relentless bombing campaigns. And America, as the powerful partner of Israel, could be stepping in in a humanitarian way and trying to resolve this crisis and not just writing a blank check to a foreign country. So maybe that maybe now is the time to have that conversation and actually determine whether or not this is a healthy, helpful relationship that we have with a foreign nation in the Middle East. And whether our support for this nation has already led to the degradation of America's reputation overseas and the death of its servicemen in our actions in the Middle East that have done nothing for America at all, even a little bit, really has simply cost us trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, and destroyed our moral superiority over the rest of the globe. And you have to wonder, is that all part of the plan as well? Is, that, is, is this not sort of on purpose? After all, we know that you know under a, a global government system, you don't have a nation like America, powerful, able to project power, able to do all the things that America has done since the Second World War and our 
position as, or you know, the end of the Cold War at the very least, position as uh, you know uncontested hegemon over most of the world. That can't go on forever. So, I mean, is this all simply another part of the process of destroying America outright in order to eliminate the national sovereignty and bring us into a one-world government? And again, the, the reason I bring this up is because you have a unity in a, in. Washington, D.C., that exists only in this context. These are people that are sniping at each other and hating each other and you know, will viciously contest every bill. I mean, they don't get along on anything until it comes to war, in particular, Israel. And then it's total unity across the board, and anybody who opposes it you know, just gets savaged. So we can go down to clip number seven here. This is uh, Republican Derek Van Orden uh, basically saying exactly this. Let's watch. Clip seven. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right, we'll have to re-download that clip. We'll show you Lindsey Graham on the other side. But I don't think I even need to provide evidence. I mean, everybody everybody knows this is how it goes, right? Everybody knows that it's like, whether it's, you know, welfare and, and social security, open border, like whatever it is, constant conflict, constant arguing. It's constant, unable to, to come to a, a unified conclusion. But then when it's war, they're all on the same side. Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself of the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. Infowars.com forward slash show. Delving deep into the heart of globalist plans, it's Owen Schroyer. Harrison Smith sitting in for Owen Schroyer today. I'll be back behind the desk at uh, American Journal tomorrow morning. We are continuing our little game of musical chairs here at Infowars. For very good reason, and you'll find out about that momentarily I'm sure so again let uh, the topic of discussion is of course Israel Gaza the Palestinians the threat of World War three and in, in surrounding all of this this whole 
event is encased in the information war. After all, the the calculus being run right now, because there's a couple things we need to realize. Their previous plans to progress us towards a global government have not succeeded. In fact, according to these people, according to the World Economic Forum, they have utterly and completely and embarrassingly failed. That was a clip from just about a week ago, maybe a few weeks ago, from the World Economic Forum meeting. You know, the clip where she's talking about now we have to go after the water, right? You know, kind of the way that Israel controls Gaza's water. So when displeased, they cut it off, right? I mean, this is uh, sort of the the tactic, right? Uh, dependence on any power structure means that power structure has the capability to simply turn off your existence if they want. And that's what the World Economic Forum wants worldwide. But in that clip where she's talking about going, you know, water is very easy to understand. It's easy to understand what happens when we cut off the water. You know, she starts it out by essentially saying we have to start going after the water because everything else we've done has horrendously failed. I can't remember the exact words that she uses, but it wasn't just like it didn't work. It's like, wow, it actually backfired in a lot of ways. I think kind of what they're doing now, it it could backfire in a lot of ways. But this is the process that we're experiencing right now is the fact that all of their previous attempts, whether it's COVID, Black Lives Matter, like any of these things that come from on high and and disrupt our normal life with some sort of crisis or some set of crises, some just massive conglomeration of crises. It's failed to convince people to submit to the world government. So now they might take it to war because one thing we know about the control freaks at the top, they don't take no for an answer. They don't just they they don't want what's best for us. They don't want, you know, they don't have our best interests in mind. So, you know, when we oppose them, their reaction is not to back off, it's to double down and in many cases use force where perfa- where persuasion failed. There's the video on InfoWars WEF Bragg's staged water crisis will bring humanity to its knees. And remember in that clip, I mean, she's saying we need to go after the water because Nothing else we've done has worked. Everything has failed horribly. And she sort of lets the cat out of the bag when she says, you know, COVID failed because we didn't get everybody in the world vaccinated. As if, you know, that was the purpose of COVID. So World War III would serve their agenda to a T. Everything they want, they get with World War. Depopulation, obviously. Reorganization of the economy and the life of of everybody massive surveillance limitation to your speech after all you're you're not just a disinformation spreader you're a terrorist you're a you're treasonous right you're actually harming us in the war when you speak against us so everything that they want they get if they send us to war if they get us into a massive world war but they also have to contend with reality they can't just start a war, and expect everybody to go along with it. So if they don't have the upper hand in the information war, then their ability to actually start a real war is severely limited. In other words, if they had total control of the paths of communication, 
and the flow of information, they could send an aircraft carrier out, you know, to USS Liberty it, right, or just, uh, you know, inside job, just destroy it, tell everybody it was Hezbollah, and get everybody behind uh, revenge for these 5,000 soldiers or uh, Navy men that were killed. But if instead nobody trusts them, if instead nobody believes what they say, and instead when called up for the draft, when told you have to go fight for America, the American people decide, I'd rather fight against you than with you. If I'm going to be fighting, if, you're, if I have to fight somebody, it's not going to be China. It's not going to be Hezbollah. It's not going to be Hamas. It's not going to be Russia. I'm going to fight the people that have actually thoroughly destroyed my life here in America. That's a reality that they have to contend with. So if they can't get the upper ground in the information war, then they can't do some false flag and get us into anything. That's why it's so important you know, now more than ever that we oppose the flood of misinformation that has come out since last Saturday. And it has been a flood. And whether it's the, the 40 decapitated babies that Biden talked about having seen and then having to reverse it. And that's one of the things, that's how this can backfire. I mean, COVID backfired on them, right? Now the number of kids getting just regular vaccines has drastically diminished because people thought, well, they, were, they lied so much about the COVID vaccine. Why would I trust them about these other vaccines? It backfired. Not only did it not work, it damaged some of their policies. Well, a very similar thing could be happening here where it would be better if Biden just didn't say anything than for him to come out, say, I've seen pictures of dead babies only to later that day, not like a week later, not like, you know, years later, but that day having to come out and say, oh, actually, that was a little that was a little piece of war propaganda that we don't have evidence for. Now, there's been pictures of babies released by Netanyahu, but this is another thing. The rhetoric, the insanity out of Israel and, and the neocons here in America over the last couple of days means I don't trust anything from them. I mean, if you're willing to openly advocate for genocide, uh, you don't think you're willing to maybe fake a baby, uh, fake a dead baby? You don't think you're willing to maybe actually kill one baby? I mean, you're out there openly advocating for the death of millions. So, like, how are we supposed to trust you? Like, yeah, okay, you gave you showed a picture of a dead baby. Am I supposed to believe that? You know, it's it actually what actually what you say actually happened to it. I I don't know. I mean, I think you have abolished your credibility at this point. So I don't, I don't even trust that. But you can see how this could backfire. Where instead of just not mentioning it, to have the president say it, and probably, you know, probably the first time a lot of people had heard of that only to have later that day it be revealed that he'd never actually seen that, makes a lot of people go, well, what the hell? Why do you say it then? Well, how can I trust anything out of the president's mouth? How can I, you know, so now whatever next atrocity they're going to try to use as propaganda to get us into the war, everybody's going to be looking sideways at. So there's a, there's a real sense of like panic. There's a real sense of, desperation amongst the warmongers. And we'll go to some of these videos here. 
Uh, I guess we'll start with with clip seven. We have it now. This is Republican Derek Van Orden, you know, doing something that Republicans and Democrats only do when war or Israel or both is involved. Let's watch. But I want to speak to my Republican and Democrat colleagues here in Washington, D.C. Um, this is not a time to attack the Biden administration. You know how adamantly I, I disagree with what they're doing. But as Republicans and Democrats, as legislators here in the United States of America, now is not the time to attack the Biden administration. Now is the time to stand with the United States of America. That means the executive branch and the military to make sure that uh, Israel understands that they have our unwavering support. So I'm calling on my Republican colleagues, our Democrat colleagues, let's get together, let's get the speakership done so that we can actually support Israel as they deserve it. Yeah, speakership uh, done, that's a whole other topic, uh, especially after what happened yesterday. So again, I mean, how about coming together to, to shore up the border? How about coming together to stop the massive crime wave that's killing tens of thousands of people? No? The satanic New World Order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. But the trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith, and we put our trust, and we put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us? A lot of listeners have complained in the last two years that our amazing high-quality coffee has not been available. And that's because the prices went up too high for the raw beans and the quality had gone down some. I turned down so many companies that wanted to work with us. But now, we have brought back the coffee and it's even better from a national supplier that's veteran-owned and veteran-operated. It's powered by the company Minuteman Coffee. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best-tasting, best-smelling, strongest coffee that I have ever drank. It is game-changing. All you got to do is buy a bag of it and try it. I know you're going to be hooked, which will then fund our operation, a 360 win. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now for Escape the Prison Planet Light Roast. That's the strongest. The amazing Medium Roast Wig of America. And finally, the best-tasting Dark Roast Tip of the Spear, now exclusively available at InfoWarsStore.com. Get your coffee now. All right, welcome back, folks. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, you know where where things are now. Let's go some of the comments from American politicians. We just heard from Republican Derek Van Orden. Which again, it would just wouldn't it just be nice to have a government that represented America? Wouldn't that be something? This idea that's like, hey guys, I know I oppose Biden all the time. I know we oppose the 
Democrats, but this is one thing we can come together on, our devotion to a foreign country. It's like, what? What is this? It's a great argument to be made for like the border of America. It's like, look, I know we got all these different issues, but like we've had four million people come over our border in the last two years. That's unsustainable. Doesn't matter who you are. That's something we can come together and, and salt. But no, no, there's always division on that. We can never do anything to progress American interests. When it comes to war, when it comes to Israel, everybody is in lockstep immediately. Democrats and Republicans holding hands, hugging each other, just completely on board with anything that brings death and destruction around the world. So that's all that that's all that's on the table now. I mean, nobody's talking about peace. Just like Ukraine, right? Same type of thing. Nobody seems interested in the end to this conflict. It's how to maximize this conflict, how to maximize profit out of this conflict. There's no winning this conflict for us or Israel. There is a question of moderating the negative outcome. Now, the the Friday 13th global jihad thing, I don't even, I, you know, you see that, and the only thing I'm thinking is, okay, this is absolutely a scam. This is absolutely all orchestrated on both sides. How you could possibly think that this would help the Palestinians or help the Gazans. It's ridiculous. It's the worst idea ever. I wonder how much of that we'll see. I mean, it makes it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Of course, we are vulnerable to this because over the last several years, there's been a very, very concerted effort to flood our countries with people from the Middle East, Europe, and America. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of these. It's just like, how can all of this happen? continuously how can they get everything wrong all the time constantly forever like it, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense i don't know man i, I mean I, I i went on a big rant the other day when it was you know the the headline was like turns out black lives matter were the bad guys after all turns out that wasn't the best organization to support and it's you know you go on this rant where it's like Okay, so we were right about COVID. We were right about Black Lives Matter. Hell, we were right about the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan. And we were right about the complete incompetence and failure of the Biden administration as we see world war on the cusp of breaking out. Like we were right about the migrant crisis. And we're right about this. But it's like either... The people that run the world, the people at the top of every government and every corporation are just big, fat dummies that can't understand basic cause and effect, or like all of this is on purpose. I mean, honestly, there is no justification for calling for terrorist attacks worldwide. Like right now, I think overall, at least what I'm seeing there's a lot of sympathy for Gaza right now. There's a lot of sympathy 
for the people that are being bombed into oblivion. That's going to evaporate immediately if they start setting off bombs in Chicago, right? This is just the stupidest thing ever for them to do. Be utterly and totally counterproductive. So, so I'm against it. <laughs> I'm against it. This is so stupid. So stupid. So, let's go to some more videos here. This is, uh, clip number five is uh, Lindsey Graham. Just being Lindsey Graham. Let's watch. We're in a religious yeah. war here. I am with Israel. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself. Level the place. I mean, what? We're in a religious war? Okay. What side are you on, Lindsay? Uh, level the place. Do whatever you have to do to defend yourself. Well, displacing two million people is not necessary to defend yourself. Bombing the Egypt gate so they can't leave is not defending themselves. Flattening the entire area is not defending themselves. It will only compound the problem. And yet so many people are about this. Now, do we have the other clip of uh, Lindsey Graham here? What I would do is I would bomb Iran's oil infrastructure. The money financing terrorism comes from Iran. It's time for this terrorist state to pay a price for financing and supporting all this chaos. Yes, if you're the Iranians, if we're up to me, this war escalates, I'm coming after you. I think this is what I'm trying to clarify here because I, I, I'm wondering... Us if and Israel. Us and Israel. Us, the United States no, and no, Israel. No, I want to be crystal clear. The United. Let me just. Let me just. Um, let me just understand yeah, you. Just sorry. to be clear, you're saying yeah. that you would want the United States and Israel to bomb Iran, even in the absence you of direct it. evidence of their involvement in this uh, attack. Yeah. So if there's an escalation, Abby, if there's people's throats being cut on television as Israel goes into Gaza and they're threatening to kill the hostages. If Hezbollah is unleashed on Israel in the north, it will be because Iran is supporting that. If you don't get the connection between Iran and this terrorist activity by Hamas and Hezbollah, you're missing a lot. This is a terrorist state that has American blood on its hands. It is now time to dismantle the financing system of terrorism if this war escalates. Yes, I would do a joint military operation. I tell the Iranians today. If the war escalates, you will pay a price. You will be out of the oil business. I want to be crystal clear on that. And if we don't do that, what do you expect to happen in the future? Do you expect Israel to forgive and forget? Biden didn't mention one word about Iran today. And I want to support the president. I'm supporting the Saudi-Israel peace deal. Israel made peace with several Arab countries through the Abraham Accords. I want to help the Palestinians we can do business with as part of a Saudi-Israel peace deal. But I'm tired of letting Iran, I think they did this to stop the Saudi-Arab peace negotiations, the Iranians. I don't want to reward them. I want to punish them. So, Senator, can I ask you now about what's happening here in the United States? Republicans on Capitol Hill, your yeah. colleagues, especially in the House, are debating whether or not to fund uh, 
Israel and Ukraine. Some of them don't want to fund Ukraine at all and only yeah. want to fund Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my, my yeah. question to you is, do you think the U.S. risks being stretched too thin uh, with these two incredibly significant conflicts happening at the same time, requiring quite a lot of American resources? <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Um, you know, my dad fought in Japan and I had an uncle fought in Germany. America fought the Germans and the Japanese at the same time. Not one American has died in Ukraine. To my Republican colleagues who believe that we should pull the plug on supporting Ukraine, if you think Putin's going to stop at the Ukraine, you're not paying any attention. China's watching everything we do. So I think it would be really ill-conceived to not support Ukraine. They've destroyed half the Russian military. Uh, we spent less than 5% of our defense budget, and not one American has died. This has been a good investment. Putin will keep going if we don't stop him in Ukraine. As to Iran, if there's an escalation of this war against Israel, I'm blaming Iran. And it's now time to put them on notice. They will pay a heavy price. I think we can do all those things. I think if there was a war with Iran, we would win. To the people of South Carolina, will you please stop electing this absolute psychopath? Please. I mean, for the love of God, this preening Nancy threatening nuclear strikes on foreign powers, he's going to get us all killed. You get that, right? You understand America is has thousands of servicemen in the Middle East that are sitting ducks right now. We bomb Iran. They're all dead the next day. He hasn't gotten the memo. It's in World War II. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening, defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War for the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the info war. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarsStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support. This is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. Unmasking the elite's deceptions. Welcome to the War Room with Owen Schroyer. Harrison Smith sitting in for Owen Schroyer today. Just, just marveling at the unrestrained arrogance of people like Lindsey Graham. Beating the war drums against Iran. And I guess that also means against Syria and Hezbollah and Russia and China. We're just going to go to war with all of them, I guess. Obviously, it won't be his life on the line. I'd be down. I would be okay with a single bombing campaign against Iran, one payload to Lindsey Graham, 
trussed up like a hog. You just drop him into Iran. We say, he's yours now. <laughs> Let him start your wars. Obviously, it's he's... I mean, it's it's a joke, right? It's a joke. Iran is not scared of this threat. Iran has more than enough capability to blow our ships out of the water right now. They have submarines. They have missiles, the likes of which we don't even have. Their drone program is the most advanced dro- drone program in the world, and that's another aspect of this. The technological advancements over just the last few years has totally changed the military – Landscape, and it's telling that his response, when asked, like, like, what the hell are you talking about, Lindsay? What are just what are you talking about? Yeah, there's him, you know, having started the war in Ukraine, right? Hanging out with the Nazis there. Well, we gotta support them, you guys. We gotta just. It's called a bloodletting. It's called a bloodletting, and it clears up the spot for Raytheon, and BlackRock. Come move in, make a lot of money. It's a great investment. <laughs> insane. These people are insane. Like actually dangerously insane. And Iran is, it, they're laughing. They're laughing. They're not scared. Nobody's scared of America anymore. We can't even fill our ranks with soldiers. We can't even recruit people. Nobody in America wants to be in the army. Nobody in America wants to go die for Lindsey Graham's self-aggrandizement. And it's telling that he invokes World War II for this, right? He's like, well, my, my grandpappy fought in Japan. <laughs> okay, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? That was 75 years ago. Sort of different back then. I mean, it is it, – it's like weird to even have to make the argument. Like are we really – are we really on the cusp of another Middle Eastern war? Are we really making the same mistake over and over and over and over again? Is that is really, really, that's what we're doing? And yet again, it's like the unity behind this is uh, something to behold, something to revel at, or to, to be astonished by. Now we're going to get into, again, some of, the, uh, some of the reality behind this and some of the reality behind the situation that Israel is in right now and the situation that America is in right now where neither one of us have the upper hand by any means, by any regard. There, I mean, he's talking about Iran's oil production. You realize... If America gets involved in an incoherent and and ill-advised way, we lose any semblance of control or influence in the Middle East forever. Like it's it's over at that point. We've lost it. It's it's been diminished over time. Does he want another Iraq? Does he want another Afghanistan? The answer is yes. I mean that is the answer. We have no. Uh, you know, leverage with these people, with these other countries, because we've put so many sanctions on them, because we've disentangled ourselves economically, 
War is the only option now to try to have any influence because of the ill-advised actions up to now. That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not right on a teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. We are going to do InfoWars. Yeah. Okay, but... Okay. Now, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Ready? There's okay. no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? Owen Schroyer is going to do a new broadcast. All right, go, go. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a... I, I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, no. Well, do it live! It. Do it live! While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today. All right, folks, yes, the we are The program that live. strikes fear into the heart of the elite. It's the War Room. From the InfoWars headquarters here in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for being here with us on the War Room. As we just once again are, are just sitting here baffled, confused, shocked at the unwillingness of American politicians to learn from the recent past. Learn from their own failures in the recent past. And to drive us headlong towards an unwinnable conflict with, without even the possibility of a benefit of any sort. And there's no benefit at all to even be considered some of the latest Israel has announced that it retook forces up to the boundary of the Gaza Strip Hamas fighters on the ground did not offer any significant opposition to the deployment of the Israeli army and almost certainly never intended to resist the return of Israeli soldiers but it took a, a very long time for the Israeli army to actually regain the land that was stormed by the uh, Gazan brigades they have done it they have not yet entered Gaza by land now they've announced multiple times and are continuing to announce that they are going to enter Gaza however Hezbollah has said that's a red line and they'll get involved in a real way if not oh by the way well we'll take we'll take phone calls in a little bit but there's some there's some crazy happenings with this conflict you, you probably noticed, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before, but there was big red alerts. It was uh, Hezbollah has entered the conflict, massive drone swarm descending from the north, red alerts, maps with the red dots lighting up all over northern Israel as Hezbollah launched a drone swarm into Israel. It wasn't drones. I don't know how this story hasn't gotten picked up more. I forgot to even print it out today. It wasn't drones, though. It was pelicans. Yeah, I'm serious. Hezbollah somehow captured a bunch of migratory birds that pass from Europe or Western Asia. They, they fly into Africa, and they don't fly over the ocean, so they fly over the, the land bridge of the Middle East. And they captured these migratory pelicans, tied lights to their feet, and then let them go, knowing they would fly south over Israel, and that's what was detected by radar, which is crazy, which is just like, what are they doing? It's like a prank. It's like a wartime prank, just 
keep everybody on their toes. Maybe the crew can uh, can find that. Literally, just search like Hezbollah Pelicans and you'll find this story. News circulating on the Hebrew Channel 13, the information we obtained from the leadership in the northern regions that Hezbollah released a number of migratory pelicans with lights attached to their feet that caused terror. Terror by pelican. Now, for fans of history, you'll see a bizarre sense of continuity between this tactic and a tactic used by Hannibal of Carthage to trick the Roman army. Hannibal at one point was boxed in by the Roman army. And in order to escape, he tied torches to the horns of cows, a giant herd of cows. He tied torches to all of them and sent them off in a direction. So the Romans followed that. It was, you know, nighttime. All they could see were the torches. They thought the army was moving. They followed the army. By the time the sun comes up, they realize they've been chasing a herd of cows the whole time. And the actual army has been allowed to escape. And of course, Carthage was a settlement of the Phoenicians who come from Lebanon. So there's this weird continuity of like Lebanese people tying lights to animals to trick the opposing army. Very strange, very bizarre sort of, uh, yeah, continuity between ancient Rome and the general Hannibal's tactics and Hezbollah tricking Israel with a bunch of, uh, with a flock of pelicans. But it does, you know, it, the other thing, you know, people are like, people think that Hezbollah is, is involved in this, right? There have been, little skirmishes between Hezbollah and, and Israel. But I've explained this on the show. There are certain places that are internationally recognized as not being Israel, but Israel occupies them. The Golan Heights is one. Sheba Farms is another in Lebanon. These are the places that they're attacking because basically they just want to keep their enemies on their toes. They just want to not let them get comfortable, not let them feel too safe, just constantly keep that anxiety up. And so they're doing things like this. They're releasing pelicans with lights tied to their feet and causing consternation and panic in Israel. It's, there's weird stuff about this war, man. And, and it, it is this like strange combination between ultra-advanced technology and literally the oldest strategies in the world and like the most basic. You know, it's like the time that uh, there's an Israeli drone flying over a Hezbollah neighborhood and they took it down with stones. It's like that sort of... That's sort of a way to imagine this conflict is you have hyper-advanced thinking machines flying through the air being defeated by stones, by the oldest (laughs) weapon in the world. Interesting story that uh, I haven't seen published anywhere else. It's very strange. So the latest is this. According to the IDF, its warplanes have struck 2,687 targets in Gaza as of early Thursday. The bombing has displaced at least 340,000 people. The United Nations Agency for Palestine Refugees said early Thursday an increase of 76,000 in 24 hours. Nearly 220,000 of those people were sheltering 92 of NWR, w, uh, N, UNRWA's schools in Gaza, where officials say there's no humanitarian access to food or other supplies and a water crisis rooms uh, looms. Shelters are overcrowded and have limited availability of food, non-food items, and potable water. Water supplies cannot be replenished due to a total blockade on the Gaza Strip by the Israeli authorities. Fuel cannot be brought in, and Israeli water supplies can no longer deliver food or water in Gaza. Twelve of the UN workers have been killed since the fighting began. 
and that's just the beginning. The casualties, of course, are in the thousands with somewhere upwards of 1,200 dead and 5,000 injured. It's the latest count I saw as a result of the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza. From ABC News, bombarded by Israeli airstrikes, conditions in Gaza grow more dire as power goes out. With communities across the Gaza Strip already laid waste by a relentless barrage of airstrikes in retaliation to the Hamas surprise attack on Israel, conditions for Palestinians grew even more dire, uh, even more dire on as only... You know, sometimes I have trouble reading. Other times, people don't know how to write. I don't know how this gets... Wait, conditions for Palestinians grew even more dire on as the only power plant ran out of fuel. I'm not crazy, right? That's a weird sentence. Leaving the territory with no electricity and running water, officials said. The shutdown Wednesday of the Gaza electricity power plant plunged the 140 square miles composing the Gaza Strip into darkness Wednesday night and creating a humanitarian crisis for the 2.3 million residents who live there, making it, quote, impossible to continue providing all the basic life services, all of which depend on electricity, Gaza authorities said in a statement. As of Thursday morning, at least... 1,417 people have died and 6,000 others have been injured in Gaza since the airstrikes by Israel began. The Palestinian Health Ministry said at least 447 of the dead in Gaza are children and 248 are women, the health ministry said. And they're just getting started. And they're just getting started. Question is, when is enough enough? When will it end? Where do we go from here? Israel does not have the manpower to actually storm Gaza. They don't even have enough bombs to totally reduce Gaza to rubble. So what's next? Last year we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself to the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. We have not had this many of our best-selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock, but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or 4,000 bottles of each one of these. I think we've got... 4,000 bottles of the HGH Max Boost that people love so much. We've got about 4,000 bottles of 1776 Testosterone Boost that just came in. And we've got about 3,000 bottles of Pain MD, incredible natural pain reliever situation. 
All three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfoWarsStore.com. Infowars.com forward slash show. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the War Room. War is the discussion of the day. Israeli airstrikes hit Syria's Damascus and Aleppo airports. Reported by Reuters. Syrian state media says Israeli forces have hit the country's two main international airports with missiles, putting them out of action. State media said run, uh, runways have been damaged at both Damascus and Aleppo airports, and flights would be diverted to Latakia, a city in northwest Syria. Israel has not commented on the strike. It has previously attacked targets in war-torn Syria linked to Iran. Iran's foreign minister was planning to fly to Syria on Friday. Actually, they ban- they bombed the airport as he was flying, as he was about to land, and they turned around and uh, flew back home since they couldn't land anymore. Damascus, uh, Syria's Damascus and Aleppo airports not only handle civil aviation but also host military bases, which are reportedly transit points for Iranian arms, arms hint to, uh, sent to Hezbollah, a militant group which is powerful in both Syria and Lebanon. An unnamed military source quoted by Syrian state media said, simultaneous Israeli strikes had damaged the landing strips of the two airports, putting them out of service. A source called it desperate, a desperate Israeli attempt to divert attention from the Gaza conflict. Well, and to uh, hamper the uh, you know participation of Syria in this. And Syria has already called up two of their uh, military contingents for the possibility of invading Golan Heights, which is an area that is technically internationally recognized as Syrian, but occupied currently by Israelis. And it represents a strategic, uh, you know, upper ground sort of. It's it's an elevated area. There's also a lot of oil there. And there's a American slash Israeli oil company that has the rights there. So there's some aspect of that which is. Um, you know, caused the the occupation of that area, but importantly, it is an area that sort of oversees the rest of it. Like, if you can take Golan Heights, you have a, a very clear shot of basically the rest of Israel. So, you know, if Hezbollah gets involved, it's like we're likely to see uh, Syria take that area over. Looks like there's some. Chaos in the West Bank here. Crews pulling up some tweets. Palestinians set fire to the Ayal checkpoint connecting West Bank to near Kalkilia. Now it looks like it might be one of the areas that we've seen that has things like AI uh, machine guns mounted. You know, there are these gates between Palestine and, and Israel, and they're actually guarded by face recognition automatic machine guns. With AI, you know, determining whether to uh, fire or not. And this is actually a big reason why what happened on Saturday happened. Now, there's a lot of reasons why Netanyahu in particular, Israel overall, would want to allow this to happen. I've said it a couple times, but as you looked at the civil disorder of Israel over the last year, there have been massive protest against Netanyahu, massive corruption charges against Netanyahu, a failure to form a government in their parliamentary system, 
And all of those problems have gone away in light of this attack, as of course they would. And, and anytime you talk about this with with friends or whatever, it'd be like, wow, Israel is really it's really fracturing. They're really, you know, at each other's throats. And then all of a sudden, or then we'd say, you know, like, yeah, well, now here here comes the big attack, right? Because they need to be unified, so an attack against them would provide for that unity. And that has happened. I mean, they've formed a government now, and all the trouble that they uh, were in has sort of fallen by the wayside. But on the other hand, there's an aspect of arrogance, of underestimating your enemies, of thoroughly not believing that Gaza was capable of something like a full-scale invasion of Israel and the, the totally novel tactics that they used, parachuting in. These are people that operate in tunnels most of the time. You didn't expect them to have a you know, air brigade, but they did. Now, the report is that Hamas began planning this attack on Israel two years ago after Afghanistan – the story from Breitbart, Hamas began planning Sunday, uh, Saturday's terrorist attack across Israel two years ago, according to an interview Sunday by a sen- uh, of a senior Hamas official. Ali Baraka, Baraka told Russia Today on Sunday that Hamas had secretly been planning the invasion of southern Israel for two years, which would mean President Joe Biden took office and after uh, after Biden took office and after the disastrous, deadly U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. So I think – you know, there may be an aspect of, you know, willful stand down, allow this to happen, unify Israel, give the excuse for what they've wanted for a long time, which is to totally abolish and, and destroy Gaza. But I don't know if they would be willing to do that because of this story. Inside the war simulation that poured cold water on Israel. In late July, Israeli newspaper Haaretz published a report that went unnoticed to a large extent. The report vaguely discussed a war simulation carried out in Tel Aviv with the presence of a group of former American and Israeli officials as well as experts on Iran. The Haaretz reports provided no details about the participants' deliberations or results of the simulation, but the Tehran Times obtained information that revealed what happened in the meeting in detail. The war game event was held at the Dan Hotel in Tel Aviv from the 16th and 18th of July of this year. The event was organized and hosted by the Tel Aviv-based Institute for National Security Studies, INSS. The group represented the U.S., Israel, the Islamic Republic of Iran, Europe, Russia, China, and the GCC countries and the resistance axis. So these were the forces that the participants of this war simulation were playing as, right? It was a big tabletop game essentially. You know, kind of like Event 201, that sort of thing, but in this case, a uh, war simulation. Over three days, group members assumed the roles of the countries represented by their own group to draw up and simulate scenarios for the possible confrontation between Iran and Israel. Haaretz hypothesized that the war game began with a mysterious assassination in Tehran that was attributed to Israel. Three Iranian nuclear scientists were killed, and Tehran responded by enriching uranium up to 90% while claiming the goal wasn't to manufacture weapons. Within five days, Haaretz said, Israel slid into a full-scale regional war with Iran and its allies such as Hezbollah. The group members sought to put themselves in the place of the countries mentioned above. The discussions of the war game were deeply disheartening for Israel, according to information obtained by the Tehran Times. Playing U.S. President Joe Biden, Ross told the participants that the U.S. adheres to its position on Iran and backs Israel's direct military action against Iran, but implied that Washington wouldn't act directly against Iran. So, of course, we're, you know, whether 
this was a, this is an accurate portrayal of America's real intentions and what Lindsey Graham is doing is just blustering and saber rattling or rather whether the people engaged in this simulation were underestimating the commitment that Israel has or that America has to Israel but the Europe and GCC groups further dampened Israeli hopes of a military solution to Iran. Europe is strictly focused on the war in Ukraine, the group representing Europe asserted, while the GCC group doesn't back military action and won't abet uh, Israel in this regard. All in all, the war game ended with grim prospects for an Israeli military action against Iran. Israelis were told that neutralizing Iran's nuclear facilities through military actions has become much harder since 2012, and a military attack could well accelerate Iran's nuclear progress. So in late July of this year, just a few months ago, a wide-scale multinational war game scenario with this exact situation, Iran and Israel going to war, has Israel losing badly. So why they would want to start that series of events, I just don't believe it. We'll cover that a little bit more on the other side. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is The Great Awakening. The plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. The War Room. InfoWars.com forward slash show. Piercing through the globalist agenda, welcome Owen Troyer. Harrison Smith sitting in for Owen Troyer on today's edition of The War Room. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for your calls. We are, of course, continuing to talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict. We'll talk about you know, what this means for future conflicts overall, not just what's happening in the region but how this points to the future of warfare itself. Give us a call, the number to dial, 1-877-789-2539. 1-877-789-2539. Now taking your phone calls here on The War Room for the second half of the show. I do want to remind you right now to go to InfoWarsStore.com. That's how you support us, and it's how you support yourself, as we have the finest supplements available to mankind. InfoWarsStore.com. Right now there's a flash sale on. For BrainForce Plus, I know it's a lot of people's favorites, and I don't think you'll ever find it for this discount outside of this sale. 60% off right now, 60% off for BrainForce Plus. Now's the time to stock up. Now's the time to get a couple extra bottles because 60% off is just an unbelievable discount. 60% off BrainForce Plus. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. It's a powerful nootropic. Gives you energy, focuses your mind, and won't you know, uh, give you a crash like just drinking a bunch of caffeine or an energy drink will. It's actually much more effective at 
really boosting you to your full potential. It's BrainForce Plus, available now at InfoWarsStore.com. So how did this all happen and where does it go from here? Well, again, I think this is a point against the conspiracy of the Israeli government allowing this to happen because in July of this year, the Israeli government held a simulation for something very similar to this and they lost completely. So if you have this information, if you know as of just three months ago that a all-out regional conflict leaves Israel more or less destroyed completely, why would you want to kickstart that right now? That doesn't make any sense to me. That would point to they didn't want this to happen. There's a story from, I think maybe from Haaretz. I can't remember. I had to, uh, there's a, a mainstream article. It says, all is still quiet on the Iranian front. The calm could be misleading. For Netanyahu, a normalization with Saudi Arabia remains his main card for improving his political situation, both at home and abroad. And there's another big aspect of this is that there is a normalization of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That was helped. That was brokered in part, at least, by China. And, of course, the, the Abraham Accords uh, contributed to that as well. But Saudi – and it's a generational issue where the older generations in Saudi Arabia – Saudi Arabia is unique, right? It is a uh, monarchy. Everybody who has led Saudi Arabia since its founding has been a son or a grandson of – the, the warlord leader that founded Saudi Arabia, King Saud, right? Saudi Arabia was Arabia. Saud took it over. Now it's Saudi Arabia. And so you have Saudi princes. He had a ton of kids. They had a ton of kids. Everybody has been a direct descendant of King Saud who's ruled. And the older generations, the grandfathers and uh, the father of the current leader, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, we're very dedicated to the Palestinian cause, Palestinian resistance, whatever you want to call it. They they backed Palestine. In the modern era, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, has sort of been less keen on making any sacrifices for Palestine. If it was convenient, it's fine. But if not, well, they, they'd rather make money. They'd rather normalize. They'd rather – you know, get all the benefits of not supporting Palestine. But that's changed as of the bombing campaign against Gaza. Uh, Saudi Arabia has actually come out saying they're, they're rededicating themselves to you know, Palestinian uh, resistance. They say the current calm in the Iranian arena may be misleading, according to a war game conducted last week that I just discussed. Uh, it doesn't go very well for Israel in the game. In talks between Israel and the United States after uranium enrichment, the Americans backed a direct Israeli operation in Iran. Israel took action and caused massive destruction at two nuclear sites. At this stage, various countries tried to cool things down, but the Iranians reacted to an additional Israeli attack with rocket fire by Hezbollah and by Shiite militias in Iraq and Syria. Israel then attacked Hezbollah weapon production sites in Lebanon. Washington issued an ultimatum to Iran to cease all belligerent action within 24 hours, but Tehran continued its missile attacks against Israel and American targets in the region. So again, this might be, you know, this is the highest level military think tank, you know, systems who have access to all of the current information about who has what and who, who's capable of what. 
And in their simulation, America was unwill, unable to stop Iran from operating with impunity in the region. So nothing has changed since late July in that regard, which means that probably if this were to come to fruition and actually manifest in real life, America will be unable to issue ultimatums and then back them up against Iran. Iran will continue to cause destruction to our military bases in the Middle East, as they've shown they're capable of, but also against Israel. In this simulation, within five days, Israel slid into a regional war against Iran, Hezbollah, and Shiite militias in the United States, helping Israel attack Iran's nuclear sites. Washington, which thought that its limited response would restrain Tehran, found itself deep in a war. Iran and Hezbollah were too locked in a regional war they presumably didn't want. All efforts at de-escalation failed. Military responses at the initiating stage, viewed as restraint, were taken by the other side as something forcing it to respond accordingly. To Netanyahu's supporters, the results of the war game might sound like just what the doctor ordered, dragging the United States with its vast military capabilities and strong international position into attacking Iran nuclear sites. But not, that may not, might not be the right conclusion. The game ended with the entire region in flames and Israel paying a steep price, unprecedented strikes on the home front. So again, this was the war game that was carried out in late July that had Israel essentially being left in flames and no good coming from it. And yet we're in that situation now. And part of this is because of the failure and over-reliance of Israel on AI. From Reuters, Hamas assault on Israel shows surprise still possible in AI era. On September 27th, barely a week before Hamas fighters launched the largest surprise attack on Israel since the 1973 Yom Kippur War, Israeli officials took the chair of NATO's military committee to the Gaza border to demonstrate their use of artificial intelligence and high-tech surveillance. Israeli officials spoke publicly of such technology in their last major war in Gaza in 2021, and both its best AI and latest drones are doubtless again helping select and destroy targets in the territory. The failure of those systems to deliver advance warning of Saturday's Hamas attack, however, represents a failure of intelligence likely to be studied and discussed for years. The scale of the events over the weekend still only becoming clear. Multiple forward Israeli positions and communities near Gaza were overrun. U.S. allied intelligence agencies that congratulated themselves on the early warning of Russia's February 2022 invasion of Ukraine also appear to have been taken by surprise. Quote, there will, there will have been warning signs, said one former Western intelligence official on the condition of anonymity. Clearly, Hamas were able to do this without leaving a data trail or clues were there but not interpreted from the data. From drones overhead utilizing facial recognition software to border checkpoints and electronic eavesdropping on communications, Israeli surveillance of Gaza is widely viewed among the most intense and sophisticated efforts anywhere. According to a NATO statement, Dutch Admiral Robert Bauer was visiting Israel last month in part to learn from the expertise of Israel's nearby Gaza division and seek out innovative military capabilities. In May, Israel Defense Minister Director, Ministry Director General Ayal Zamir said the country was on the brink of becoming an artificial intelligence superpower using such techniques to streamline decision-making and analysis. Events this weekend suggest Israeli authorities are already becoming overconfident in those abilities. That may be a warning for other governments increasingly turning to a range of artificial intelligence contractors who promise to be able to deliver incisive analysis and early warning. Now, part of what was uh, assumed on this is that basically Hamas learned how much they were relying on AI and learned to game the system 
and were able to subvert and avoid it. So I'll tell you how they did that on the other side and take your calls as well. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening, defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War for the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly, more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send it to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the Info War. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarsStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support, but this is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have the communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding, is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. Alright folks, we'll go out to your phone calls this segment. We'll just go in order that they arrived. So some uh, open lines here if you want to call. one 789 But there's a undercurrent of what's going on in Israel it has to do with AI and the reliance on AI as well as the build up to this being being a how do i put this so there's a lot of talk not so much anymore but certainly in the first few days about the the 6 billion dollars uh, to Iran and whether that was used to fund this I don't think this had too much to do with it. My speculation is if it had anything to do with it, it would be that Iran wanted to like delay this attack until the discussions were concluded because it could mess up their negotiations. But once those negotiations concluded, then they said, okay, there's no reason to to hold back anymore. That could be it. Like there's, you know, to the Iranians, there's like, all right, there's no, there's nothing more we can get from America. So, you know, we don't have to worry about impacts on negotiation anymore. But that $6 billion has not been sent to Iran, uh, never will be sent to Iran. I think now it, they might have just gone – like America might have just gone back and just retaken the $6 billion. But the idea was that uh, it would be spent on humanitarian aid and never actually be in the hands of Iran but rather be used at their discretion. 
but it, what we're seeing as, as we look through all of the evidence is that it wasn't so much anything that happened immediately before this attack, but rather every failure of the Biden administration contributed in, in one way or another. You had, according to Breitbart, and according to a, a Hamas leader, they started planning this right after the fall of Afghanistan. Right, so that would be sort of the kickoff. They see Afghanistan fall and they think, man, America is really not the force it once was. They may not be able to help if we attack Israel. So that's how it sort of started. Then the war in Ukraine causing us to drain our weapons reserves, spend billions of dollars, and uh, bog us down even more. Then you have uh, just just the you do have the Iran negotiations, which again at least would embolden Hamas or anybody aligned with Haran, with Iran in planning this attack. And you'll see more examples uh, of that as we as we continue with these stories. This one, uh, again from uh, Reuters, it's called Hamas assault on Israel shows surprise still possible in AI conflict. In concealing their attack, Hamas would have been helped by the conditions of Gaza Strip, where Hamas seized power in uh, 2007 and some 2.3 million people are hemmed in behind a 51-kilometer border. To what extent fighters were pre-warned by commanders of plans for the assault remains unclear, but given Israel's reputation for recruiting human sources, Hamas's leaders may have been extremely tight, tightly held. Their plans were kept extremely tightly held. Even a warning of hours or minutes might have made a difference to the shocked Israeli troops and civilians living on the border with Gaza. The final moments before the assault, when movements could be have been more readily tracked, may have been missed over the Sukkot religious holiday, as well as earlier training, including that of paraglider flying militants. To me, that means it's just obvious they were trained outside of Gaza, as there's no way that could have been not seen. But Mossad chief... David Barnia told a conference that Israel worried Russia might sell Iran advanced weaponry in return for vital drones. So again, we see the war in Ukraine has allowed for a tighter relationship between Russia and Iran and a trading of drones from Iran, who has extremely advanced drone technology, more advanced probably than anybody in the world. Russia needed that to defeat Ukraine. And in exchange, may very well have sent or still might sell advanced weaponry in return for these drones. So whether it was the fall of Afghanistan or the conflict in Ukraine or the war in Syria, all of these things have piece by piece contributed to the situation that exists now that led to and allowed this Hamas attack to happen. New York Times has a story, how Israel's security services failed to stop Hamas. And this, again, hints at the failure of AI in all of this. It says, shortly before attackers from Gaza poured into Israel at dawn on Saturday, Israeli intelligence detected a surge of activity on some of the Gazan militant networks it monitors. Realizing something unusual was happening, agents sent an alert to the Israeli soldiers guarding the Gazan border, according to two senior Israeli security officials. But the warning wasn't acted upon, either because the soldiers didn't get it or the soldiers didn't read it. Afterwards, Hamas, the group that controls Gaza, sent drones to disable some of the Israeli military's cellular communication stations and surveillance towers along the border, preventing the duty officers from monitoring the area remotely with video cameras. The drones also destroyed remote-controlled machine guns that Israel had installed on its border fortifications, removing a key means of combating a ground attack. So this is the thing. 
they are relying on the super advanced AI technology. So they don't actually have people on the border, but they have cameras and they have AI machine guns and all sorts of things like that. But simultaneously, Hamas has drone technology. They have advanced technology of their own that can be used to basically blind Israel in an event such as this. They talk about all the reasons that this may have happened. They talk about, uh, obviously, the holiday that was on, the failure of intelligence officers to monitor key communication channels used by Palestinian attackers, over-reliance on border surveillance equipment that was easily shut down, clustering of commanders in a single border base that was overrun in the opening phases of the incursion, preventing communication with the rest of the armed forces, but I think most importantly, a willingness to accept at face value assertions by Gazan military leaders made on private channels that the Palestinians knew were being monitored by Israel that they were not preparing for battle. So that's what was happening. Basically, Hamas knew that Israel was monitoring them, knew what channels they were monitoring. So they went to those channels and were talking about not attack. We're saying, gee, things sure are quiet around here. Sure am glad we're not going to attack Israel anytime soon. And whether that was you know, monitored by human intelligence that failed to recognize the lie or whether it was just AI that still is not capable of actually interpreting human language to the extent necessary for it to be in charge of surveillance. Basically, they gamed the system. They used the channels they knew were being monitored to put out false information that lulled Israel into a false sense of security. Just a modern manifestation of a classic military you know, technology conflict that ever since probably World War One, at least World War II, has been a, a you know, regular feature of clandestine operations where you're sending out false information to befuddle or overwhelm or distract from your actual operations. Let's go to your phone calls now. Uh, Brandon in Arizona wants to talk about Michael Flynn on Israel. Go ahead, Brandon. You're on the air. Hey, Harrison. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Perfect. I just was curious if you had the opportunity uh, to watch the General Flynn interview with Clay Clark on the Thrive Time show, which is one of the channels that you guys have where he initially just lays out when he was there, you know, he had been there about 20 times over in Israel, and he had been on the borders that it's just interesting that he indicates there's basically no opportunity or no way that Israel would not have known what was taking place. <laughs> Did not like it. The element of surprise is just kind of not not possible. Uh, it was a very, very interesting article or uh, uh, podcast. Did you have a chance to to hear his interview because he really just forced gums it down and explains the fact that um, there is some 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 items going in the Israel military that you know um, uh, it allowed them to come in at a very easy. Yes, they were coming in through paragliding and they were bringing in cars, but you know they showed video of them just literally cutting open a fence <laughs> and yeah. just, come, just coming on in. Um, and it's just interesting because you had mentioned the kind of the the war game scenario you know, months before this took place, it just sounds very eerie and similar to the COVID war game scenario, right? Right before COVID took place. It's almost, it's just, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts? It just seems a little interesting, I guess. 
Well, I, I hadn't seen that uh, interview. What, what was he was? I mean, is it some of the stuff that we're talking about here? The surveillance and the cameras, and he was basically saying the yeah. uh, the surveillance was so complete that it's impossible to sneak yeah. up on him. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, he just basically said that the surveillance and and the, and the sophisticated technology that he knows that's literally at the at the borders that he's been there that he's seen it you know over twenty times. It's just not possible. Almost somebody would have to turn a blind eye, and if that makes sense, right? And just kind of let them come on in because of the technology that they had. They should have fully known that this was coming in advance. If that, if that makes sense, so it was just very interesting. It's like. Uh, it was almost as if it was the flip of the switch, and they just shut shut everything off and allowed them to come on in. You know. Well, we'll, we'll I'll comment. I'll comment on that on the other side. We got to go to commercial break. Thanks for the call, Brandon. But I hadn't seen that interview. But I'll, I'll take a look at it. Naturally sourced from the finest hemp plants in America, Rebel Zen offers the absolute finest quality CBD available and at the lowest prices. Extracted using a cold-pressed technique to retain the molecular integrity of the cannabinoids and terpenes within the plant, this full-spectrum formula ensures that your nervous system gets the full benefits of CBD. Premium quality organic CBD, like Rebel Zen, has been shown to naturally reduce anxiety, relieve pain, and decrease inflammation. People have reported a reduction in symptoms of insomnia, arthritis, seizures, chronic pain, and epilepsy. Several studies have shown it helps to reduce cortisol, increase serotonin, and boost vitality. Order yours today at InfoWarsStore.com.